Uh, number 608 will be the song of invitation and uh, our study tonight. <clears throat> and uh, it's uh, the title of the song is The Love of God. And, uh, kind, of, kind of totally by coincidence or by divine providence, that happens to be the first couple of weeks uh, theme for the Bible reading. And so that kind of courses in well. Uh, the song, number 608, The Love of God, there's actually a couple of songs uh, called Love, Love of God, it was written by this fellow named Frederick Martin Lehman. And uh, we learned that he was born in August the 7th, 1868 in Mecklenburg, uh, Schwerin, Germany. Uh, what I was reading on the internet uh, in this fella that he was about four years old when he immigrated to the United States. So he was a young fellow when he came over here. And then he died on February the 20th, 1953 in Pasadena, California. Uh, according to the internet uh, song, of course, Anytime you talk about anything from the Internet, you know, there's always could be a question there. Kind of like that saying I've seen on the, uh, the quote from Abraham Lincoln, don't believe everything you read on the Internet. So. Anyway. <laughs> but uh, the, according, according to, the, uh, to what I read about uh, this fella, he, he wrote uh, the first two verses in 1917 while he was living there in Pasadena, California. And it was told that the third verse was written many years before. This is where I don't know, but it was found on, written on the walls of an insane asylum, so maybe somebody that was, had some moments of sanity, they write out the third verse, and I, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, that's, that's what was told, and kind of the history of the song. Uh, so let's just kind of look at the words, and really it's the third verse that really impresses me. And it was many years ago, after Kathy and I first got married, which would have been 1979, we were visiting around somewhere in the Bowling Green area, and it uh, was the first time I remember hearing this song. But that third verse is, is just fantastic, and, and we'll talk about that more. But let's look at that first verse. It says, The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the high star and reaches to the lowest hell. Now, what we're going to see when we open the scriptures, for instance, there in the book of Ephesians chapter 3. If you notice there in Ephesians chapter 3, as Paul is kind of a, a prayer here, uh, he talks about uh, there in verses 13, 14, uh, 15, he says that uh, he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with his might, with his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. So this song, it talks about here in this first verse, the height and the depth. And as we get kind of that last verse, just kind of the breadth, the width of the love of God. It's just, just fantastic to think about God's love. And then it says, the guilty pair bowed down with care. I think talking about the original pair, Adam and Eve. God gave his son to win. His erring child, he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. And of course, that's the great message and theme of the Bible is human redemption. Because that's the great problem of humanity. Somebody says, well, what's the biggest problem? Are we talking about terrorism? Are we talking about mass shootings? Are we talking about, you know, poverty? Well, what's the greatest problem? The greatest problem in the world is the problem of sin. And Jesus, of course, is the one that came and died that makes it all possible 
to give us the ultimate solution of our greatest problem, that is the problem of sin. Now, you move to the second verse. Now, if you notice, uh, I just copied this uh, from the Internet website. It says, when years of time shall pass away. If you'll notice in your songbook, in, in the second verse, it says, when hoary time shall pass away. Now, when you talk about the word hoary, it's like uh, the hoary head. If you talk about Rick, Rick Harris, it's well, the hoary head. Grave, which represents a period of time and, and age. Well, that's the significance. And so when you read it in the songbook, it says when hoary time, that is, an extended period of time has passed. But in the, on the Internet, maybe in some other songbooks, they just change it just for uh, clarification. Uh, it says when years of time shall pass away and earthly thrones and kingdoms fall, when men who here refuse to pray on rocks and hills and mountains call, God's love so sure shall, stand, shall, st- shall still endure all measureless and strong, redeeming grace to Adam's race, the saints and angels' song. And again, just like in the words of Paul, that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, and the depth, and the height. Just any way you want to measure the love of God. It's just, it's just tremendous to think about any direction you want to go. As we look back through time, as we look back all the way even before creation, God had a scheme of redemption that if man sinned, he's got a plan. That was in Christ Jesus that he would come and die on the cross. And what tremendous love is manifest for Jesus to come and die on the cross. But like I said, when I first heard this song, it was this third verse that really just jumped out at me and I thought about this, and you think about the words, and I know this is a poetic form, and, and you know, sometimes you have hyperbole. Hyperbole is just an obvious exaggeration to stress a point. But really, I mean, you would think hyperbole, but in reality, it, it would be true. The third verse goes, could we with ink the ocean fill? Now, most people have been to the ocean. Everybody here been been to the ocean at least once? I mean, you just go over here to Lake, Lake Cumberland, and you're going to see a bunch of water. Uh, well, the ocean's a lot more, and you just look at this vast ocean, this great volume of water. And so in the words of the song, could we with ink the ocean feel? So here you fill the oceans with ink. And where are the skies of parchment made? And so you think of the idea of a parchment, just like a roll of paper, old-time paper, whether it was uh, the papyrus of the first century, or whether it was leather, and you're stretching this out. And so here the skies were parchment made. I mean, just think about how many rolls of parchment that we could just stretch across the ceiling here. I mean, you're talking about maybe a foot and a half, and, and we could do a bunch of rolls all the way up and down the ceiling. Now, how long would it take to just write? Uh, we're all, we all got ink and, and parchment, and we're all just writing on this because we're going to plaster that up on the ceiling, all the way across the ceiling. I mean, how many words could be written? But the words of the song uh, talks about where the skies of parchment may, where every stalk on earth a quill, and there's plenty of weeds and stalks that you can make lots of quills with, and every man a scribe a trade. We've got about 7 billion people, and you've got 7 billion, 7 billion people, and we're all writing about the love of God, is the concept there. To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Could you imagine that? We're all dipping in the inkwell, and we're writing, we're dipping, we're... And you're drying up the ocean of ink to write about the love of God. I mean, that to me, that's just a fantastic way in this poetry of this song to talk about God's love. 
Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. You get out into some of the areas, particularly I think out west, I mean, it's like big sky country, and it's like, whoa, you're going way from way over to that horizon, way over this horizon, and you think about the sky stretched out there, and that's all parchment up there, and the people just writing all over that about the love of God. And the song gives the idea that there wouldn't be enough room to write about and talk about God's love. And, like I said, sometimes we would think hyperbole, but not necessarily hyperbole, because in John chapter 21, it's recorded in the last two verses of John's Gospel. It says, this is the disciple who testifies of these things and write these things, and we know that his testimony is true, verse 25. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written to every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. And the point that John's making, that if, if you're writing down all things about Jesus that should be written, and just all the various uh, aspects of the life of Jesus Christ... I mean, you could write and, and, I mean, just go to the library, go down to the Blasky County Library down in downtown Somerset and look at all them volumes of books. That, that wouldn't contain all the books that could be written about Jesus and about the love of God is the point, is, is the ideal of the song here. And it's just hard to fathom the great love of, of God's love for us, to, to think about this tremendous love because he loved every single one of us because every one of us has a story. And the story is the same. We've all committed sin. We've all come short of the glory of God. Romans 3 and verse 23. That's what Paul said. For all the sin come short of the glory of God. As is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans chapter 3 and verse 10. And you've got 7 billion people living. And how many people have already died? But Jesus dies for all of us. And that's just tremendous love to think about. And then, of course, finally, the little chorus. It says, Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It uh, shall forever endure the saints and angels' song. And it is a song that we sing, and we sing a lot about the love of God. And there are lots of songs that talk about the love of God. Because it is the fact and reality of life that Jesus does love us immensely. He loves us so much that he came and died, just a cruel, agonizing death. It's just, you could not fathom the depth of this love and the grandeur of this love. That he died not just for a few, but he died for everybody. And that's what the invitation of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is all about. That Jesus came and died on the cross. And that when we understand this, and the more you study it, the more you stand amazed at God's love and God's greatness and His kindness for humanity. And we have no, we, we have no reason other than the fact that the Bible doesn't explain why God loves us. It explains a lot of things. There are a lot of things that are explained in the Bible, but it doesn't explain why God loves us. There's no reason to love us. Because we're all saying it comes short of the glory of God. We're all in rebellion. We're all spiritual criminals. We're all transgressors. We've all committed iniquity. We've all done things contrary to, to thumb our nose up and to mock and to, and, to, and to reject God's will. And yet, thank God that He does love us and does care for us. So we're going to sing the song about the love of God. And if you're here and you want to respond to heaven's invitation, the invitation is open. Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. 
I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart, uh, meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so if we just come to Jesus, and what's that involve? Well, that involves that we're gonna, we're gonna believe upon Him. We're gonna put our trust, we're gonna put our confidence in Him, we're gonna, we're gonna accept Him as the Lord and Savior. And that means that we accept what He says. Sometimes people want to talk about, that. they like the idea of, of Jesus being Savior, but He's Lord and Savior. So we've got, we got to do what He says. You can't reject God's will. I mean, like we were studying in the Bible class this morning about uh, King Saul. He, he just rejected God's will. God tells him to go and utterly smite the Amalekites, and he doesn't do it. You just reject. That's rejection of God's word. And you just can't reject what God says as if it was nothing. And so if we believe in Jesus with all our heart, be willing to believe His death, burial, and resurrection, willing to repent, confess, and, and to just say, yeah, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God before, before men. Whether it be at the invitation hymn, or, or late at night, or in the middle of the night, or during the day, whenever. We've got to confess Jesus before men and be baptized. We've got a pool of water up here. Everything's made convenient. Garments for you to change into. God's willing, God's ready, God's ready to give mercy and grace and, and favor unto you by washing you from your sins. And what he needs is a willing heart to say, yeah, I believe, and I'm ready to do your will. So we're going to sing this song, number 608, The Love of God. The love of God compels and, and speaks to your heart, and you want to obey the gospel. You come and let us know, and we'd be happy to assist while together as we stand and as we sing.